1: Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Hey, okay, one
2: thing the game needs is more people like you, you, you. You still have bro, man, run
3: around tight pants.
1: It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's
3: Steve
1: Aoki. Here's Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob
3: Bradford. All right, well, baseball isn't boring, and we have two people who uh, epitomizes that. And I think that everybody who knows anything about baseball, follows anything about baseball, follows anything about this podcast, should know Courtney Finnicum, Matt Spiegel, both of Chicago, uh, of the Chicago ilk, I'm outnumbered. Which is, but this is what this is what this is all about. We're branching out. We're slowly getting to the West Coast. We're slowly.
2: <laughs> it's your manifest destiny.
3: That <laughs> is. All is missing is a covered wagon. So, uh, but um, yeah, but for, first of all, it's a pleasure to obviously you know I've talked to both of you quite a bit, and uh, I get to and honestly, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. In the last year, through both of you, I've been able to sort of integrate myself into the shi- world of Chicago sports uh, in different ways. Courtney, thank you for for uh, teaching me the art of going to a game and buying a $12, uh, 25 five dollar margarita and a helmet. And oh, uh, and, and, Matt, we, and Matt, we 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 have uh, we have broken down the Joe Kelly uh, two thousand twenty two so Chicago White Sox tenure at nauseum. Oh. oh boy. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, Courtney, it's it's if we talk about the the origins of Baseballs and Boring, and both of you also have T-shirts, which means you're part of the family. But, you know, we, Courtney, we went to, I think you were out of town at the time when we went and had the Baseballs and Boring party at Chicago. Yeah. We stopped by Matt's show. And and uh, it was a scene, man. It was a scene.
2: It was- well, didn't
4: Shane have to um, edit out Joe's f bomb so much? Wasn't
2: yes, yes. He was
4: uh, on duty for that. That was tough.
2: Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Joe got extra uh, extra comfortable. And then you were at Cork and Carry, man, on the South Side there, yeah. right by the ballpark. That is that that's the legit spot. People don't think of. Um, of the South Side, ballpark is having like a neighborhood, but there are yeah. a few bars that are vital and totally happening around ball games. Bork and Kerry
3: was awesome, and it was an awesome event, and we hope to have more baseballs and boring events all over the place, but that was great because Joe came out, and, and also I learned the technology of beer foam, which was something else. The Guinness people basically had this contraption that – that was able to make any image that you wanted in the foam of Guinness. I feel like <laughs> the technology of beer oh, baffles right. me.
4: Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Are you? Well, you know I'm a beer drinker, Rob. You know that. I
3: I know, but I, I don't know if they do that for craft beer. You ought to heard it, Matt. Matt Courtney got into it with uh, who? Oh, Josh Beckett the other night. Yes, it was. Can, you could probably imagine. That when when Courtney started rattling off saying I like craft beer, Beckett was not uh, having any of that.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. As you can well imagine.
3: Yeah, but uh, after we talk about Jose Abreu, I do want to get the art of the wedding because um, Courtney just came from a wedding, and I would imagine like, have you ever performed at a wedding, Matt? We can get to it at the end, but I want you yes. before you answer that. You I want you, I want you to sit, think about this. Because we talked about the art of following sports at a wedding, sporting <laughs> events at a wedding. It's not it's I think it's an art. But anyway, <laughs> what I want to get to first and foremost is free agency. Um and I'm gonna take a step back and, and let you guys talk a little bit. But Jose Abreu, man, to me, he is one of the more interesting guys on this free agent market. Um, because if if you just look at it in a, in a vacuum and say, Oh, well, you know, he's going to be, I think 36 in January. And well, you know, it's, the hitters are going to decline and you can look at some of the stats in the second half of the year, so forth and so on. But I look at this guy and I'm like, Hey, Hey analytics people, just, just like ha- have a heart here, have a little bit of a heart and, and understand what you're getting so, Matt, I'll let you go first, and then, Gordon, you can go. When, when you think Jose Abreu, what do you think of?
2: Um, I think of an unbelievable professional as a ball player, uh, legit, really good hitter who can also slug, not just a slugger who hits a little bit, um, incredibly consistent productivity, um, and a guy who has gotten better defensively in his thirties, which is, you're not, you're not supposed to do that, but it's a testament to the work ethic. I just, I think the world of the guy as a ball player and, you know, you know, Rob and, you know, Courtney, when you're actually like covering somebody every day and paying attention and you get a good four or five years of somebody under your belt. and Now for a Bray it's been what? Six. It's the yeah. full the full go of, of that amazing, of that contract. You really, you really understand the dude. I've, I've never seen the guy take a day off or an at bat off, you know? I mean, yeah, he might sit every once in a while, but every at bat he's battling, he's trying and it's not kind of the classic way that shows up in the numbers. He's not a big pitches per plate appearance guy. He's not a, he's not a huge on base percentage guy without the batting average. Cause he does swing, but he's just, he always looks for a pitch to drive and he usually does drive it. Um, and I just, I, I just respect everything about the way he does it. And, and you know, it's one thing to think, well, a 36 year old guy, um, you know, he's always, he's probably a leader. No, he, he is a leader. He's not the most vocal leader and he's never really gone outside of, um, Uh, of Spanish. Like he's not one of those guys who is now crossed over and can talk to everybody necessarily. So you don't get that, but especially if you've got a ball club with any young Latin players or whatever, the respect for the guy is through the roof. And some of that is due to his origin story and his years in Cuba, which are just astounding. And we can go into detail on that if we want, but the guy as a ball player, I mean, it just, this town has been blessed with some first basemen. you know, for a while there, it was, Derek Lee and Paul Konerko, right? Both studly professionals, badasses, showing up, reliable every day. And Anthony Rizzo and Jose Abreu, like there. There were a few years there where you're like, see, look at this, we got, we got another one after Mark Grace and Frank Thomas. You know what I mean? So like, every once in a while, the Cubs and Sox hook up with first baseman or stalwarts, and like. Salt of the earth ball players and super trustworthy guys you want to be teammates with. And for the most part, not all those guys had out everything now that I think about it out loud. But <laughs> but anyway, Abreu, a bray you an absolute stud of a ball player, still very vital and would be an incredible addition to any clubhouse.
3: See, I can see the Courtney's like heart rate is going through the roof. Like she could, I, could I I could, you <laughs> You have you have spoken to her. I can tell <laughs> you, you have spoken to her fandom, as as someone who obviously have lived and died with the White Sox. From your perspective, Courtney, is there anything that he that Matt didn't hit it on, or or more importantly, is there anything that he said that you're like, man, that's that's the most important piece of the puzzle there?
4: You know, honestly, <clears throat> Matt, he hit it all. Um, one thing I will just kind of enhance to that is, I have often said this. I really believe he is one of the more underrated athletes, not just with the White Sox, in the city of Chicago. Underrated, underappreciated. Just like what Matt said, the guy always wants to be in the lineup. I mean, I was at that game against the Royals where – I'm blanking on his name, Matt, when he got absolutely crushed by the big outfielder. I know you know what I'm talking about.
2: Hunter Dozier, I think it was.
4: Hunter Dozier. I mean – I literally, I was sitting behind home plate and I heard the collision. It was violent. He wanted to, he wanted to keep going. Yeah. I mean, the toughness that he shows, he's a gamer. He wants to be in the lineup every single day. He's an actual baseball player. And I feel like that was missing quite a bit on this current White Sox team, baseball players. And Jose is tough. And I think we've hit on this in a couple months ago between you and I, Rob. Chris Sale used to credit Jose Abreu of being an extremely big leader in the clubhouse. So as Matt said, he is not as much of a vocal leader, but he's still considered a huge leader, especially with the Cuban contingency that is in that clubhouse. He's a very valuable part of that White Sox team. Extremely.
3: So, so how much do you guys think that the White Sox are going to value this? Because I'll speak for, I'll speak after you guys say this. Now I'll speak to how I think baseball might value him but how much do you think the White Sox are going to value him or are they just saying, "Hey, listen, we got to turn stuff over and it's 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 time to move on."
2: They have a they, they have a real trick bag of a roster. Like Andrew Vaughn needs to play first base or maybe left field. Eloy Jimenez needs to be a DH or maybe left field. You know, uh, Gavin Sheets is a first baseman, or maybe left field. You <laughs> see, sensing a trend here, Yasmani yeah. Grandal is a catcher who should probably play first base or DH.
3: So that's so that's four first basemen. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, 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 there were times <laughs> last year where they had Vaughn and left and Sheets and right, and yep. it's like, wh- and what are we doing here? So they 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 really so that that's part of it. Um. And look, maybe they'll trade Vaughn or they'll trade Eloy. Um, if they could trade Yasmani, I think they would have, but they can't. Uh, and maybe Pedro Grafal can unlock him. But they're kind of they're locked in from a roster situation to where it looks like they're going to let Abreu go because it's the simplest way to do it. Plus, then you don't pay him and maybe you could pay somebody else and their payroll is going to probably stay static. So that's the big thing. I don't think they're unhappy with him in any way at all mm. they're just ready to change change over the roster and 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 try to do it a different way and i think it might bite them in the ass truth be told i agree
3: yeah i mean Cordy, from your perspective i mean you said like this is this is a glue guy this is and and you know coming from the fans perspective this is a this is i would imagine this and tell me if i'm wrong but this was a wasn't a very popular white Sox team right
4: not even close correct
3: yeah I'm, I'm expect- even- i went on a limb there but this was a popular player on one of the few popular players on this team so from the fans perspective you're moving on it, it, and i see it at different places you're trying to fill spots and you're trying to build a team but there's also something to be said for who's going to wear who's going to be wearing the jersey with a name on the back what kids right. what do you, so you tell me like What's what's the name? What's the kids are going to wear? And that's a small part of it, but it's the business part of it. It's why Bryce Harper is worth some of the money that he's worth, mm-hmm. because you need the guy whose name is going to be on the back of the jersey of the little kids.
4: Marketability, of course, it's yes. huge.
3: Yeah. So who's who's that guy? If Abreu leaves,
4: Tim Anderson probably.
3: Okay, but okay, you tell me. You know Tim Anderson obviously hurt. He's got a great personality. We all love. You know, sort of his, uh, you know, his voice in the game. But where does he rank in terms of the fabric of of the White Sox?
4: You know, different Abreu.
3: Play-
4: different player. I mean, like you said, he's been hurt. Um, his defense at times is struggling, for lack of a better word. Um, definitely just a different kind of player. As I said, Abreu was kind of that old-school grinder type, wants to play through the injuries – where I don't see that from Tim as much. So, again, it's a little bit of a different just type of baseball player. Tim obviously has the flash. You know, he's out there with the big bat, bat flips, changed the game. He's got the whole slogan. But it's not the same for me as a Jose Abreu, a guy that wants to be there every single day. It's different.
2: Yeah, T.A. had a rough year. Um, he, he didn't play very well um played real sloppy defensively and on the bases and then then the batting average got in decay got hurt a couple of times obviously <clears throat> and there was some stuff going on with him um some some rumors and some things on social media seemed like he had a lot going on personally which affected him um and and so he was it, it was a rough year he could bounce back from it but it but it was definitely a rough go and in terms of of uh, of of marketability i don't know that the white socks are in a position where they're allowing themselves to think about it you know mm-hmm. they're like time is now their their window is now they're they're right in the middle of it and they just wasted a year and a half or two years because of jerry reinsdorf's vanity hire of tony la Russa. and now rick han got to do it his own way and he really is being given the freedom, and this is a last gasp for him, perhaps of uh, of, of a chance to do this particular window right. Um, so, look, I I, 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 if any, it's it's possible that the Abreu save where he stays a White Sox would be the Reinsdorfian move of this offseason, right? Because Jerry loves him.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude.
2: <laughs> Jerry Jerry once presented Jose Abreu a ring for hitting for the cycle. It's one of my favorite things. Like they, they were in the middle of a period where they didn't they didn't win a damn thing. This is this is
3: like this is like John Henry giving Ricky Henderson a, a car for being a Red Sox for one year.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. That's oh yeah,
3: perfect. that's yeah. perfect,
2: right? Yeah yeah like it was like a Breu hit for the cycle and two nights later like Reinsdorf is in the clubhouse presenting him with a ring um because there's there's an emotional connection and so you know it, it, if Jerry's gonna step in it, it it could be you know what let's give Jose 10 million and you know you know the hot rumor is for a is the Cubs Cubs yeah yeah nobody would hate that more than Jerry <laughs> <laughs> to see
4: him on the Cubs and the twins that is for sure.
2: Yes, yes, and, sure. and don't you think it's possible, Courtney, that that Jose's agent is very interested <laughs> in that rumor being what it is Million. in order to in order to drive <laughs> Jerry to uh, such things? Not that this business works that way, Rob.
3: But not- <laughs> no, 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 no. Like you know, you know, I, I I look at it from now. I'm looking from the outside of like, and I'm always fascinated by how much front offices value guys like this. I, I really am. And I think that front offices it it is cyclical, and I do think it's starting to turn a little bit because the narrative had gotten so strong where where you know front offices were catching so much heat. So you have to like we've have I can't tell you how many podcasts I did this year where you know Mitch Moreland, Brock Holt, you know whoever, and they just <laughs> would come out and say, yeah, this is stupid, this is ridiculous, this is, and obviously they had skin in the game because they were the guys. But I've heard a ton of other people, John Lester, whoever. And, and and then so when we asked, you know, I had Heim Bloom on, and he asked about Xander Bogart, how much does this stuff mean? And he's like, well, of course it means something. Otherwise, as a 30-year-old free agent, we're not even getting on the bus with them. You know, it's like, okay, well, hmm. that sounds good. But how much are they truly going to value that? Now... Jose Abreu is still a good player, man. Like as you guys point yeah. out, I mean, this guy. Look at his OPS. I mean, it's dipped. It, it did dipped barely below 800 once, once, and so. But at, at the same time, there has to be. I think uh, winning. Rich Hill said this a bunch. You know, winning. Look at the winning teams. They have winning players, and and with the right group around him, it seems like this guy's a winning player. One
4: hundred percent. One hundred percent. Go ahead, Courtney. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> it, it,
2: it, you know, it, it, like it, he—he's definitely that guy, and—and and we know that, and we—and we lived it in this town with—with with the Cubs. We're like the guy you talked to what a couple weeks ago, David Ross. As soon as he left, they spent three years in the wilderness looking for that next guy. They went out. They, they had John Jay. They went out and got Daniel Descalso, like looking for these like just sort of hard scrabble vets who show up and are gamers.
4: Yeah, we had John Jay for a minute too, man. Let's not
2: forget. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We had John so, Jay for a minute too. Yeah, so no, th- there's there's value with those guys. I will tell you one thing about the offensive profile of Abreu. He had a terrible start this year, and then like a lot of, you know, a lot of, a, a, a lot of sluggers who can also hit do, he kind of concentrated on just making contact, and he had a huge amount of singles this year. And, um, and the homers, the power never really came back. Like, I I, I thought the approach was smart. Like, you're, you're having trouble controlling the strike zone, having trouble, you know, really driving the ball. So he shortened up and really just tried to make contact. And then you figure the swing would get a little longer and the power would come back. And it didn't really happen. So it could be that, that the White Sox front office looks at him and says, He's a 30, you know, a late 30s singles hitting first baseman. That's even less yeah. valuable than a late 30s power hitting first baseman, right? But,
4: but as I said, that's something that always resonated with me was how he really worked to improve his defense. I mean, there were a few years there where I thought he couldn't win a gold glove. I think it was last year where he was incredible in the, yeah. in the infield. I mean, incredible. And that to me is someone that takes pride in his craft. And that's something that I didn't see a whole lot of with this current White Sox team, where honestly, like a Tim Anderson who gets a little sloppy defensively, you know, comparing that to a Jose Abreu who really, really wanted to make it a point to get better defensively. That kind of stuff resonates with the fan base.
3: How much, how much I know that, you know, of the many problems that they had this year, how much do you think that And you guys talk about Rick Hahn finally getting sort of a little bit of the reins back will they say all right man like we were fundamentally we were terrible defensively we were terrible how much are they going to be you do you think that that'll turn that that'll they'll prioritize that stuff
2: well let's see if you can teach it to big leaguers in their 20s and uh, well, that's and the problem 30s. right
3: if you're locked into guys it's like good luck you know it's like you can you, you know you can do you can hit all the ground balls and fly balls you want they are hey, what they I, are at that point
2: i asked pedro Grafal that exact question um but on on the air the day was hired is like can you teach fundamentals to veteran players and he said yeah you can so he they believe that he can They, they really do believe that just by coaching these guys up they're gonna be a lot better by holding them accountable by by actually giving them energy by having a manager who has patience and time and and uh and the ability to communicate and really try to connect with them that they're going to be a lot better so they they're, they're going to they they're definitely going to going to focus on that stuff and 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 we'll see what happens um in in, in that regard one other thing you should know you got to know about Abreu is the level of respect within especially the Cuban community so like when Yasmani Grandal came here he just like threw it in at the end of an answer one time and it caught us all off guard. He said, "Yeah, I'm just here to try and play well and do what we can and dot 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 follow Abreu to the promised land."
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grandal, Grandal,
2: yeah. he's a made guy he coming here <laughs> signing a four year what seventy six million dollar deal or yeah, whatever it was, yeah. having been to a World Series. And he said, "We're here to follow Abreu to the promised land." I mean, that's respect, you know. You
3: know, in with Abreu in Boston. He will forever be known as the guy who brought Rusne Castillo to Boston in a weird way, <laughs> oh, because wow. because yeah because the Red Sox missed out on the which was the bizarre sort of posting fee for Abreu it's like those blind posting fee yeah and evidently they missed out on him by like six million dollars or something and and then they the Red Sox as they want to do sometimes chasing their tail they said well let's get the next good Cuban player. And the, so the next year they get Ruzney Castillo, yeah. and that didn't work out too well. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so oh, I will say
4: one about the White Sox fundamentals that Matt was touching on. I just got to say again, kind of the fan base standpoint, how refreshing it's going to be to have a whole new set of eyes. Yeah, nothing to do with the White Sox organization; they're hiring from the outside. Pedro Grifol, as we talked about, Rob comes very, very highly regarded, and it's just going to be so mm-hmm. nice not to have. A bunch of White Sox retreads coaching up this team.
3: Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you guys, uh, the last thing with the White Sox is the, as we sit here now, if for no other reason Pedro Grafal is there, which just seems sort of like the polar opposite of the uh, the image that they had before. As we sit here right now, the White Sox fan base uh, cautiously optimistic. Well, I mean, how would you explain? where the White Sox fan base is with this team right now?
4: I mean, I would say, um, compared to the Larusa years and compared to some of the names being thrown around as manager, um, I think it's cautiously optimistic. Obviously as fans, they want to see an aggressive team in you know, free agency and trades. I don't think that's going to happen unless I'm reading into things a little bit differently. Um, but I think as fans, we want to see that. I don't think it'll happen. But I just think overall, we are excited that we're getting a fresh set of eyes, like I was saying, and a team that potentially still has potential to be very good. And now with hopefully a competent and coaching staff, we can finally put the pieces together, maybe fill in with a little bit of free agency and finally get this going with some health. And well, other yeah, I finally mean, going. We,
3: we shouldn't forget, like coming into last year, the White Sox were perceived, what was their over under win total? It was like high 80s. Like, like, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they
3: were perceived as, you know, they, I, and I've said this, I think I said this to you the other day on the radio, Matt. Like, if you, the perception from the outside was if you put like an Alex Core or something in there, I mean, you're talking about a 90 something win team.
2: Yeah. Totally conceivable. They won 93 games the year before yeah um, but they faded in the second half and the fundamentals were bad and it was obvious they weren't doing some things and then they didn't really fix anything in the off season. and they all knew that they'd gotten their ass handed to them by Houston and they were better and and and, and the White Sox were outclassed and I really think they hit opening day feeling like they were outclassed and ready to kind of pack it in a little bit. And they lost on opening day when AJ Pollock misplayed an, a, a ball against the fence in left field guy had literally played less than five games in left field in his life. So they start out with every, all these people out of position and it bit him in the butt on day one. And it was just, it was just kind of, kind of obvious. And I, I do think, and I think they're going to get away with a rather inactive offseason here because a lot of people think just replacement level managers like <laughs> stepped in there is, it, it, it could be worth seven or eight wins. Yeah, and, uh, wow. They
3: might
2: not be wrong. <laughs> yeah, they might not be wrong. Um, <laughs> and 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 the other thing, just about Grafola as it relates to Abreu, Grafola's is an active and vocal leader, and Tony wasn't. If your manager's that, maybe you don't need the guy in the clubhouse quite as much. If all of a sudden the manager's that, and he's going to be setting the template, right? We've seen that. If you don't have the manager, you need the players, uh, right? Right. One or the other. It's good. It's good. Hey, Pedro's
4: also was also a Cuban American, which I think will yeah. resonate.
2: For
4: sure. So that's, you know, nice little combination there.
3: You have me fired up. I'm picking the White Sox. There it is, for for, that obvious, for for, for <laughs> obviously not not so obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, two last things: one baseball, and one not baseball. The baseball one I'll get to first. Uh, the the rookie of the year was just named, and Julio, Julio Rodriguez won for the American League. Now. I will say this. This is. I just want your your guys' take on this. I said if I am going to start a team, like this, is my fun exercise. If I get to start a team, I can take one player. Ooh. He is the player that I'm taking. And this is the question. This go back to 2005 when Theo Epstein was on his hiatus and he was at a hot stove cool music event, and he said, and he said uh, he was asked this question. And he said at that time, 2005, he says Felix Hernandez, which I thought was fascinating, right? And he actually turned out turned out to be a pretty good answer. So I'm saying Julio Rodriguez. When I've said this before, people have said Soto, people have said other people. Now, you have to factor in contract, you have to factor in age, After have to factor in potential, uh, you know, career, shelf life, and everything
1: else. Do you guys have an answer for that? If you don't, that's okay. I just find it an interesting question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I'm
4: going to go Otani.
3: Otani. But so here's the thing with Otani. What is he? How old is he now? 29.
2: Yeah.
3: Right? Yeah.
2: I mean,
3: I need a a guy who's going to dominate for like 15 years.
4: I, you know he's the kind of guy that can play until he's forty. I feel like
3: maybe 28. 28. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a bad. It's not a bad answer. It's, it's I mean, this. Courtney. Really Courtney, Courtney there's no bad answers.
4: There's never a bad answer. There's Come no on, problem. Rob. You know that.
3: There's no bad. I
4: answer. mean, he hasn't really hit his prime yet, right? I mean, twenty eight.
3: Ooh, if he hasn't hit his
2: prime, listen. I, I
4: don't think he has. I,
2: I love. I love the Julio answer because center field matters. And because he can hit and run, he's legit five tools, and the makeup is apparently awesome, right? Yeah. Um, and he's signed now to a deal that's only gonna look better as the years go on. Yeah. Um I, I I'm torn between a couple of guys, but I'll go ahead and I'll say just because I'm so impressed with the makeup and the the hitting and the OBP, and it's arguably. Uh, as important, if not more important, a position. I'm thinking Adley Rutschman might be my pick. Okay, good catcher one. catcher in Baltimore. I just think that that dude that dude could win a batting title. Um, that dude will be the the heart and soul of that team for the for the next decade and a uh, and a lefty bat. It's a, I'm a big fan of Rutschman. All
3: good answers. All good answers.
2: That one, that was good.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, last thing, most importantly. Courtney just came from a wedding. Man. Yeah, um, my third wedding
4: this year, I'm exhausted.
3: <laughs> how many? What?
4: My third wedding this year. I'm exhausted.
3: That's why and, I'm leaving- uh, and so and so the the art of a following a sporting event that you yeah. have to follow at, at a wedding, Matt. I we've I've had this conversation with Courtney. and She's had to do it. We've like this year. Have you ever had to do this, Matt?
2: Yes. Um, my, my wife's Apple watch came in very big for me <laughs> because, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's Boston. I don't need to tell you about Apple watches and how useful they are. <laughs> yeah. So,
3: well played. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, like not holding the phone up and just kind of like, oh, yes. Yeah, so congratulations. <laughs> um, good, good for you. But here's the thing. Everybody knows, you know, so at some point, there's like the little group that sort of materializes over in the corner. Oh, what's going on there? What are they doing? <laughs> or if possible, the hotel does have a bar with a TV that if this door is open just right, we can hang out there. Courtney, but remember- you, you,
3: Courtney you actually left the room. Were you You were a, like a room leaver, weren't you?
4: I, was, I mean, this was at one of the weddings I was at was end of July. And the White Sox were playing Cleveland's, and they were still kind of in it. They were still kind of battling. I'm like, God, this is like a big series. I don't want to. I mean, it was the double header. It was a double header. Of course. So going in and out. I was checking my phone in the church. I mean, it was almost the whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. And so the last thing is, and Matt, you said you performed at a wedding, correct?
2: Uh, I have, especially in the 90s. I did a few of them in the 90s. Okay. Yes.
3: okay. Which is more pressure? To perform musically at a wedding, uh-huh. or to do what Courtney had to do just two days ago, which is uh, you were uh, the maid of honor, correct? Yes. Ma- yep. Give the maid of honor speech.
2: Oh yeah. Now the 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 speech is is got to be a much bigger deal. I, yeah, you must have
3: witnessed some good maid of honor speeches. Oh
2: man, I did. I used to love it because we were contracted on a very specific time frame. And as the maid of honor speech went longer and longer and longer and longer, (laughs) we played less and less (laughs) and less, (laughs) and the check stayed the same. (laughs) (laughs) So so we were, we we approved of long speeches, absolutely.
4: And I did not want to be that person that went over my time. But you know how it is when you're, like, speaking in front of a room and you're trying to be funny uh, and you're not getting the proper the proper give and take and it's so gut, you're, like, dying inside. <laughs> Luckily, this did not happen to me on Saturday. But I'm thinking, God, this has to be good because it's going to be on camera. It's my very best friends. I cannot fumble this. And you and said, I got some- you,
3: you, said you, you said you integrated sports? So ma- and
4: I always I always try to, yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, all right. Her husband.
4: Boss, sports guy big notre dame fan big big cub fan which is always a little awkward but you know i did the best i could and people did come up to me and say it was the best speech of the night oh. Just- <laughs> <laughs> best, <laughs> speech, my
3: voice. best speech of the night or the best speech ever no this best is best be- oh, okay all right i mean i don't
4: want to <laughs> i don't want to validate myself that much night. all right
3: well listen I appreciate you all, and I hope that we can all get together in an enormous event, an enormous baseballs and boring event in the coming in the coming months, definitely coming year. If for no other reason to celebrate uh, the book release party, yes, which I appreciate you got all your support. Um, and you guys are great, man. Like it's really, it's been really been a lot of fun talking with you all, and hopefully we can do it again real soon.
2: Hey, Rob, a pleasure. Courtney, a pleasure, and uh, it, we all know it's not boring. You know, no. th- those poor bastards out there who think it's boring, you know, keep fighting the good fight.
1: Sir. Listen, it's on a T-shirt, so it must be true. <laughs> All right, guys. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.